Anime Pulse, episode 559. I, your host, Joseph, bringing you another episode of Anime Pulse, joined, as usual, by Andrew Chan. Hi, just hanging in there. Nice to see you all again, figuratively. Yes, yes I am currently hanging in there with a uh, a interesting drink, um, whiskey. Ah. I, don't, uh, I don't typically drink whiskey, but uh, my father's fiance from her job brought back three different flavored whiskeys. Uh, I currently am drinking mint chip whiskey. Um, It's very sweet. It's not at all spicy Mm. or hot like I thought it'd be, but it's pretty, pretty potent stuff. Mm. Yeah. Certainly nothing. Stuff with whiskeys. Mm -hmm. Certainly nothing a cowboy would drink. No, no, no. Wouldn't be wouldn't be pure enough, I suppose. If we're going stereotypical. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, but yeah. Well, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You got anything you're drinking yourself? Uh, no, I'm actually just, I'm completely sober, but I've been like on night outs for the last two nights. So, All right. um, yeah, I'm not hungover, but I'm, phew, I'm done with it for a bit, you know? <laughs> so, oh, I get it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's uh, a good enough prelude. Let's uh, get into our IRL news. So, uh, yeah, this past week, uh, as I mentioned in the previous uh, episode, was the week of the office breakfast down in Kingston. So, uh, yeah, I had to drive an hour and a half without breakfast and without coffee and without taking my vitamins to basically I got up at five o'clock. I jumped in the shower. I jumped out of the shower. I jumped in my car and I drove off. Oh, boy. Yeah. It was not great. <laughs> it basically was a event for giving awards out to the uh, the longest working people who have done their jobs well, which, you know, uh-huh. they deserved it. So it's pretty yep. cool. Like people who have been there for five years, got $250 and some tickets to go to the Riverfront Casino in Schenectady. Then mm-hmm. people who got 10 years, got $500 in tickets to the casino People who were there for 20 years, 
um, or no, 30 years got uh, $1,000 and tickets to casino. And then one guy who had been there for 50 years um, within the company got $2,000 and tickets to the casino. Cool. Yep. Yeah. And people got awards and we had breakfast, you know, standard breakfast fair stuff, sausage, bacon, eggs, uh, which weren't even out <laughs> by the time we went up. In fact, uh, Mike Arnoff, the uh, CEO, president of the company, was like about to rip off the ser- the servants, servants, the uh, basically the waitress and waiters heads because uh, he went up there and, you know, he's like, all right, table. My table was the first one to go to. Um, you know, why don't you go up there, get some food? And we try to go get the food and like the, the, uh, servers are like, no, no, you gotta go sit back down. We're not ready. And Mike was like, you'll put the food out now or you'll lose your jobs. And so they brought wow. the food out. So yeah, he was like, yeah, you don't tell us what to do at this company meeting. We tell you what to do. Ooh. Okay. So they brought the food out ASAP, um, even uh-huh. though the eggs weren't ready. So, uh, I had, uh-huh bagels and and uh and cream cheese and sausage and bacon and uh i think i think i had some what else was did i have was something else there that i grabbed i can't remember but basically it's your standard hotel fair food nothing really amazing Mm, okay um so I guess it wasn't so by standard. I mean it wasn't really worth all the the driving to and stuff. I guess I definitely don't think so. Uh, certainly not no. driving that far. Like yeah, it's great for an event, but like if uh, I don't really need to worry about next year, I don't think because this Kingston location has held our, I guess our company breakfast for like the past few years or something like that. Just because there's a large enough uh, parking area for all the trucks to park in. But at the rate the company's growing, we're not going to have room to do all that hosting at that place. Right. So basically what's going to have to happen is either A, um, we're building our own kind of campus around the building. It's going to be called the Arnoff Campus, and there's going to be all sorts of different buildings going up there. They might build their own uh, convention or convention center. They might build their own conference center, like mm. building nearby that we can just host the event at and we don't need to worry about the drivers because everyone could go there or what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have like a full day that is just dedicated Mm -hmm. to the breakfast so it'll just be like there's no work that day but everyone goes to it so it can be later in the day so we don't need to have um the drivers there we can also host it anywhere else because if we have a company meeting again like this with all the people from all the different branches we're not going to fit the kingston location there's just too many people ah right okay mm-hmm. well that's good yeah. for you means you don't have to go that far anymore yeah. uh, i guess the consolation is at least it was all paid for right you didn't actually have to yes in fact i even yeah. got an extra hour out of it um all so right. i because so. it started at seven and we clock out at or i clock out at five so yeah i got an extra hour out of my out of my uh, day that day, so huzzah! Yeah, okay, so win-win in some in some ways, okay. Yeah, um, I'm hard back on the Overwatch train. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It it's got me again. It's it, it it's just like, hey, hey, Brigitta, and I'm like, yeah, player. 
And I was like, all right. I played her and I was like, this character is amazing. I love oh. this character. She's adorable and she has great voice lines and she's super positive and she also has a super cool overpowered cheesy attack that just is like stunning people all the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, just the amount of trolling you can do with that character. She basically has oh. this attack where she pulls her shield out, which is kind of like uh-huh. Reinhardt's shield, but smaller, and she can bash people and it stuns them for a period. And mm-hmm. That cooldown on that attack is nothing. So you do the shield bash, three seconds later you can do another shield bash. So you're chasing around a roadhog, he goes to try to heal himself, shield bash, he can't heal himself. Then you whip him a couple times because she's got this, she's got a uh, flail, kind of like a morning yeah. star that just like whips back and forth. Um, she can like uh-huh. launch it forward because it's rocket propelled and like smack people off the map. She is a godsend for me right now because I'm like, I don't remember how to play this game. Oh, a character that's overpowered. Thank you very much. <laughs> ah, okay. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's good it's, because it's so she's one fun. of the newer characters, so they haven't had time to, like, you know, necessarily balance out or see how overpowered she might they've be. Done, in some they've regards. done a little bit of balancing. A little, oh. a little bit of balancing. Mm. But I'm going to say right now, like, I'm having a lot of fun playing her. Um, uh-huh. I and the best part also is that she, uh, I already got the achievement for it, but her shield bash can knock people out of doing their ultimate. So Moira goes and does her Kamehameha attack, shield bash. Roadhog does his popcorn attack, shield bash. McCree tries to do mm-hmm. his uh, high noon, shield bash. <laughs> it's just like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> oh, That's gosh. pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a, a real fun time. And mm. in the uh she's even more fun to play in the uh total mayhem mode where cooldowns are basically nothing and the health is doubled because you're just shield bashing every second you're just launching yourself through the map shield bashing people and knocking them (laughs) dizzy and unconscious and then whipping them across the map oh so much fun ah yeah it's good that you're having a good time with that again we rekindled the uh you know, it's good that you had about time away as well, I think. Cause it, yeah, we, we needed some yeah. time apart, and we're back together now, and oh boy, are we having sex. <laughs> it's like we never broke up to begin with. It's like we're falling in love all over again. Exactly. It's like the honeymoon never ended. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Distance makes the heart go fonder, as, as they say. I think that's how it goes. I don't know. Yeah. I'll tell you what uh, I need some distance from, probably, though, is Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah. Oh, this game yeah. is, it's not doing it for me right now. Like, I'm getting no golds. I'm saving up orbs. I'm doing real well, not spending any money. But I think the people, I'm, this is conspiracy theory. I think the people know I'm not buying any more orbs. So they're like, we'll wait. He'll spend his money. And they do that evil thing where, like, they start clicking their fingers together. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I I you got me excited though because uh there is mm-hmm. a new a new Tharja coming out, Bridal Tharja. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pretty she's pretty nice. She's pretty nice. Yeah. Be the first time you you're considering to carrying a double as well. Because yeah. she's nice. I mean I do yeah. have one double right now, which is uh Sakura. But I mean I don't use regular Sakura at all, so Okay. Right. I just use the the cat version of her. Mhm. Yeah. 
That's a useful version too. Mm-hmm. But with this character, I might actually just put Bridal Tharja in with, um, in Ali. with one of my other no, units no, to make Ali. her an actual teammate. Ah, mm-hmm. yeah, probably could be would probably be worth it because these event characters tend to be quite powerful to begin with. So, oh yeah, like, like two um, of the bridal event characters from last year are still quite sought after. Like people want Bridal Cordelia and Bridal mm-hmm. Lynn. I will say though, I am having a bit more fun with like the higher level, harder maps to play. That I oh, was yeah? like kind of staying away from, you know, the purple maps like the mm-hmm. forty plus Infernal? lunatic, yeah. yeah, Infernal and lunatic. Uh, yep. Just because mm-hmm. I don't really like playing them, just because I don't have overpowered characters, I can't steamroll, and even with my strategies, they just don't seem to work out well. I've been playing them specifically, like the ones for getting the units plus the amount of feathers oh yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like getting the silver unit plus feathers doing those i've been finding like okay it's kind of like chess so if you just pick the right units because they show you what kind of units are going to be in there you pick the right ones to counterbalance that then you also have Mm -hmm. to do it like just like the amount of moves and like the different things you have to make and a little bit of luck and you'll pull through and i've been doing that i'm like this is satisfying Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knew it's that key to a good actually, strategy game. Mm-hmm. actually playing a hard mode in a game was satisfying because <laughs> it feels like you're doing more. Like you're coming up with a strategy like, all right, if I move her here, that's going to happen there. And then I go here and I do that. Hmm, okay. Instead of like, instead of just Pokemoning it where it's just like, Pikachu, use Thunderbolt. It's, but yeah, it's a, type it's a rock type. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm level 5,000. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, and I mean, even if you know, if if some of those infernal maps are a little bit too tricky at times, there are some guides you can find online where it's like, because uh, sometimes there's ones that give you a lot of orbs, and I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some people who do guides where like they can show you that it's possible to beat some of those with just silver characters, where they you, they didn't even use gold characters to beat some of them. Where so it's it's very possible even with like not the best team if you are playing free to play and not spending out like so much money on it. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if I really just reward skill, but of ingenuity. Yeah, if I really wanted to, I could always just look up a walkthrough. But it, it's also even mm-hmm. more satisfying when you're doing it yourself because you're just oh yeah, you're like coming up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in commemorance for Mother's Day, I did uh-huh. start watching Happy Lesson. And oh boy, is oh, that an yeah. anime! <laughs> oh. oh, it's an anime. Oh, it's an anime, all right. It's it's an anime. Oh boy, it's uh, I don't know. I'd have to say I think right now my thoughts are. Deers was better. Oh, whoa, <laughs> yeah, whoa, it's, whoa, whoa. It just God, this anime. Oh. That bad. Not, and not because it's like, oh, you know, the teachers, because, and he calls them mama. So in ja- even in Japanese, oh. he's like, he's oh. like, um, oh, like, no. komichi mama. And it's like, oh, ugh. Ugh. I am really uncomfortable just from that alone. Just, oh, no. Like the amount of cringe whenever he says mama to any of the <laughs> other teachers, it's just like, ooh, ooh, no. Yeah, unclean, <laughs> unclean, no, just, yeah. Just like, I don't mind like when there's like the wincess factor in something like, yeah, you know, Aromanga Sensei, because it's like you know, you know what you're getting into when you're coming into that. 
with Happy Lesson, it's like almost role-playing, where the characters aren't the mothers. They're not mothers at all. Uh-huh. They're his teachers, but they're pretending right. to be his mothers. It's not even that like, oh no, they're related by marriage or something, or oh no, they're you know, they're they're his stepmothers or his half mothers or something. Nope. It's just role playing. And it's like, keep it in the bedroom. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's a bit gross. Yeah. It's like it's a step up from watching just like, you know, people who just can't keep their hands off each other when they're in public spaces, where it's like, you know, hey, that's great and all, but you know, not in the middle of the street. <laughs> There are children watching. Excuse yep. me. <laughs> like, mommy, mommy, what is that man doing to that woman? Don't look at him. You don't know. Exactly. Nothing. They're, yeah. they're wrestling. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Well, you gonna finish it? Are you gonna actually finish that then? I'm gonna are finish gonna it just because oh. I do. I do go through older animes that you know have a. Uh, are finished and I do want to watch something and I watch a lot of stuff right now that I have time for that like is good uh-huh. like and I really enjoy it I watch old yeah. stuff that I don't really have time for because I do want to break up my like oh it's an it's a download now a crackers download now stuff like this mm-hmm. is when you're going to hear me say burn it which you almost never hear me say because I'm very positive and a happy person yeah yeah mm-hmm, I see it's good to offset because it's, it's a two-pronged thing because when you spend your time watching some of these other shows, it makes you appreciate the good shows a bit more. At least that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, that does it for my uh, IRL news. What you uh, what you got for us? Okay. Um, I've probably not much I should report from my week. It's just, you know, I'm back in Scotland at the moment and I've... Uh, been feeling the Scottish life here. Just make of that as what you will. But I did get a new video game. Uh, I got a... For my birthday last month, I got Detective Pikachu. So I finally got around to actually playing that on 3DS. Have you heard of it? It's Detective Pikachu. Is that Pikachu. the one where Pikachu has like a deep masculine voice? Yeah. Yeah, it oh is. It is. It's that... Yep. I saw that and I was like, that's adorable. I'm going to get this game. And then Naughty. I got it and I played... It is actually like that deep. It's great, um, but it's it's pretty standard fare. I mean, it's like what you'd expect. It's it's weird because it has a bit at the start where it warns you, "Hey, do you want to put it on easy?" And I'm like, "No," but then you play it and you're thinking, "How could you make this easier?" I really don't know how they would do it. Maybe they'd make those like rhythm time quick time events like even easier or just bypass it completely. But nah, so far it's pretty. It's very simple. Point. It's like a point and click kind of game where it's. Um, you ever heard of Hey You Pikachu or Pokemon Channel? Oh yeah, I remember Hey You Pikachu. Like I, I owned that game when yeah. I was younger, where you talked into like the little microphone on the N sixty four. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. That's the one. So those two sort of games. It's kind of like that mixed with a bit of like um, uh, Ace Attorney, like Phoenix Wright, and more more specifically the Miles Edgeworth spin off games because you're kind of walking around in third person, just like investigating stuff and. The idea is that because you're playing as the human guy, Tim, you can interview people and because Pikachu's a Pokemon that you can communicate with, you can get Pikachu to talk to Pokemon and help you investigate for a few. So, because some, some Pokemon have experienced and they've seen some horrible crimes and there, there was one that, there was a moment that made me laugh quite a lot because, you know, you're seeing a crime scene in the Pokemon world and of course they have to kind of keep it PG um, without going too bloody and gory about the whole thing, but... 
yeah, overall, it's 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 very easy. It's just a little bit of a charming experience, but that's pretty much about all I need to report on for uh, this week's IRL news for me. So I'm just going to go straight into the comments now. Um, we got a comment, well, two comments. It's a conversation on episode 557, Spring Previews, part three. First one by Rampant AI and the next one by Inocuous Blonde. So we hear both sides of this sort of, uh, I guess you could call it debate in a way, that's erupted in the comments. And this one comes first by Rampant AI, which says, I know this is not a statement that most people want to hear, but let's face it, High School DxD is a victim of today's postmodern version of Puritanism, as embodied by SJWs. We can lay the blame on Crunchyroll and Funimation, but only as far as they're caving to left- leftist busybodies who happen to be easily af- who happen to be too easily offended by the depiction of female bodies in pop culture, or anything else they deem as politically incorrect. The media companies are running and ducking for cover lest the acolytes and priests of the Church of Social Justice bring havoc on their heads. It's not your Bible-thumping politician's wife a la Tipper Gore any longer, but your neckbeard feminist white knight soy boy (laughs) objecting to such material. We are seeing this everywhere throughout the various media and the internet. Free speech is under attack, and all in the name of a small but loud minority comprised of cry bullies. Sorry I had to get that off my chest if I... Except on any toes, feel free to respond, but this is my opinion. Rant over. Uh, to which we get to hear the other side of the argument from Innocuous Blonde who chimes in, so I'll leave this one to you. Okie dokie. <clears throat> la la la. <clears throat> Maybe I know the wrong SWJ, SJWs, or I am mostly <laughs> am familiar with sex-positive, porn-positive ones who I don't usually see beating down the doors and saying no more boobs ever B slash C objectification, but rather encouraging an overall healthier attitude towards sex, nudity, sex work, etc. So I'm not seeing what you're seeing here as the instigator of modern censorship. I'd be more inclined to think that companies licensing and distributing are maybe worried about the underage range of their consumers. Anime still skews young, and reining in the nudity, which is still pretty culturally taboo here. Lest parents complain and wring their hands over some nipples, even though there's probably a bunch of violence in there but WTF ever I guess maybe (laughs) they could be sued for corrupting minors or some such otherwise that's my take anyway that was beautifully done I have (laughs) no words no words to describe it Hollywood hit me up yeah there's there's no gap in the market for you like you know I'll I'll play innocuous blonde in the uh the movie Innocuous Blonde Strikes Back. Just uh, throw oh, yeah. a dress on me, get a wig, and boom, shakalaka. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and an Uzi. For some reason, I feel and, I'm yeah. feeling an Uzi. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, well, it strikes back because she's uh, going after the uh, the men who have scorned her uh, her lover, and so she's ah. uh, seeking revenge against them. Mm-hmm. Hell hath no fury like an innocuous blonde. Out exactly. For vengeance. <laughs> yeah. That's the tagline. Get out. What? What? Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, very good. I, I don't think I should further com- comment further on the 
content of the comments themselves, but, you know, interesting views from both sides. Good debating, good debating. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You have anything else to say on that before we move on? Or No, no, nothing no. on my side, thanks. Okay, moving on. Uh, two ep- good comments on the most recently posted episode by Yotaro Vegeta here. Um, the first one saying that um, I should be precise as possible when I write comments, especially if it's an older podcast episode. Andy, I brought up Giga Gen Okitaro on and the remote-controlled Geta because you didn't seem to know what a Geta is. Uh, I hope this clears up confusion rather than create more confusion. No, I I, I get it now. <laughs> I, I guess at one point I said Geta and I just didn't recognize it. Um, yeah, I know, I know it's the move where he kicks a sandal. I just called it a sandal. I didn't know the actual term for it, but thanks for good information there. Uh, I fell asleep watching my whole shoujo site, so I'll have to watch it again, but I don't look forward to it that much. By the way, Andrew Chan, Chan, you've really found your voice with your reviews. You're almost as elite as Joey Senpai. Well, you know, Senpai will always be the very best and unreachable goal for me, but um, I think it's more in terms of the previews because I mean, it's a com- this is a comment on still a preview episode, and it's because when it comes to previews in some ways, I, I kind of, well, you not sure, probably people notice a bit more that I take a piss a bit more. When it comes to the previews, because it's never the final say or verdict on an anime, so it feels a bit more kind of a relaxed writing session than it is for reviews, where I feel like, you know, you have to justify the whole show as opposed to one episode where it's like, this is my impression. So it's just an easier thing to write, I think. But no, I, I seriously appreciate that. Very kind words from you, Yotaro Vegeta. From here, man, I'd, I'd give you a hug if I, if I could actually physically... A virtual hug from here right now. There we go. Bring it in, man. There. That was good. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we got uh, comments on the forums now. Uh, the update to the one from Studios from last week, because we didn't get some comments from Yotaro and Midnight Crew last week. This one's by Midnight Crew, and it says, I won't say Ghibli, because that's a little bit like the free space on a bingo board, a given. There's no clear top choice for me, but Trigger is definitely a favourite. They always do something completely off, wall, off the wall that's enjoyable and memorable for its weirdness. And the other studio that I can definitely say I like is PA Works. They have consistently good scripts, animation, with some exceptions, and also work with some really talented people like Mario Kada. Even if their shows might not be the top tier best quality out there, the fact that they can keep their average quality quite high just shows... Uh, they know their craft. Yep, I would agree with that. And then the last comment on that forum was by Yotaro Vegeta, who says, um, What's your connection to Shrek, Andy? I have an actual proven by science answer to this. Based on mild data I submitted on Graph Anime, my favourite studio is Studio Shuka. Uh, who are Studio Shuka? Well, they did 91 Days and do ra 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 number 2. Wait. And do ra 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 Number 2 is PA Works who did Sakura Quest and The Eccentric Family. Keep in mind that I don't score an uh, score anime until I've watched it all, so science can't f- figure me out. I would believe that Toei is my number one. Whoa, okay. It, that'll be interesting. We're gonna we're gonna butt heads at some point when it comes to like what would you consider to be the worst studios are because uh, uh we'll save that for another day, Mr. Vegeta, my friend. Um <laughs> Hug retracted. Just joking. Um we go to the most recent topic of the week, which is um, about games. What game you would be? What anime would you like to be made into a video game? Uh, genre, how it plays, etc. You know, you can include the um, developer itself if you are feeling extra kinky. And our first comment comes in by um, Queen Inoue, who says, 
Hmm, an anime to be made into a video game. I've not watched it, this, but a friend suggested Haikyuu video game. I think being what kind of anime that is, a sports type of game would be a given. <laughs> Slash dating some, I'd say as well, because of the, you know. Anyway, out of the anime I've watched, I don't know one that would made me specifically think this could be a video game. Either way, Konami would be the preferred people to make the video game. I'm sorry this topic is a hard one, so I couldn't come up with anything real good. Well, that's fine. I mean, you know, it's interchangeable. A lot of times people who watch anime also like games, but it's not always like a exact fit. It doesn't One doesn't always include the other, so I get it. It's fine. Thanks for answering. The next one's actually by Innocuous Blonde, actually, so I'm going to need you to restoke your southern twang. Do, do you ha- Here's a link if you don't have it. Let's see here. Ahem. <clears throat> Oh my goodness. Please, Blonde, be kind to me. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Weirdly enough, the show Erase slash Boku Dake ga Inai Machi would make an interesting detective slash problem solving game. Maybe an exploration game or even a visual novel with exploration as a smaller part? Also, I don't watch it but maybe a cooking mama style game based on Shokugeki no Soma. Because apparently, I just checked Wikipedia, they made a visual novel type game. But what a wasted opportunity to do silly virtual food prep. The twist could be getting to choose interesting ingredient combos instead of strictly following... Wrote? Written? Oh, written? I think she's what yeah. she meant. Yeah, written recipes, yeah. Tricked me up there, blonde. (laughs) Instead of strictly following written recipes, the reward is, as always, foodgasms. Don't worry, Soma will fix it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like a... I I did expect there to be a Shukugeki no Soma suggestion, given that, yeah, cooking games are underrepresented in the medium and... uh, Soma has the star power to bring people into it. So yeah, I think that's a good choice. And then I think this is the last comment. Nope, there's two more comments. Two more comments. One by Yotaro Vegeta, uh, who says, If it hasn't been made into a game already, you never know. I think Golden Kamui would be a great game. It could take the mechanics from the third-person action games like the new God of War or the Bat Batflack Arkham games. Your co-workers created the word filter. I wrote Batman. Oh, great. You would do the immortal Sugimoto crazy brutal moves like his drop kick out of nowhere, he can summon a CG bear, or he'll dive into a cave to avoid damage. A Serapa would be your AI partner, and sometimes you could control her. Be warned, if you give her certain healing items, she'll reject them because they look like poop. Yeah, I think he could make a pretty good, actually, even a survival-based sort of game because of all the kind of camping and food prep that happens in Golden Kamui. We can have more on that later. And then our uh, last comment comes in by Zaldera, who says, Sword Art Online, it would make a great game of the year. It would make game of the year. Anyone? No? Joking aside, by the way, Sword Art Online has had games in the past and they're all terrible. <laughs> just, just as a little side note. Uh, SEO was immediately disqualified as several games about it have already been made of the franchise. And yes, I wanted to add in, they are terrible. Instead, I nominate Speedgrapher. Now, I'm an amateur photographer, and the idea of trying to beat enemies just by taking their picture, like in the anime, seems like an interesting idea to me. It could take the form of the first 
first or third person shooter, but instead of using a gun and ammunition, you have a camera and limited rolls of film. Bon bonus points if you catch the enemies at a creative camera angle or an interesting or funny pose. So kind of like Pokemon Snap, I guess. Uh, for the creator to work on it, I would like to see Hideo Kojima use his talent to work on a speed grapher game as I can see him making it into a crazy fourth wall breaking completely mind screwing experience that would make DDLC, Pony Island and Undertale seem like kid friendly happy stories in comparison. A related video below. Feeling that maybe a dating sim out of Knights of Sidonia? Maybe not. Laughing face. And that's all the comments we have for this topic. Thank you everybody for your inputs. What about you, Joseph? Uh, I actually have answered this question in the past, and I would like to see a, uh, a space western in the theme of, uh, Outlaw Star. Oh, okay, so, right, okay. Kind mm -hmm. of like, um, uh, kind of like, you know, if anyone's ever played, um, any of the Escape Velocity games. Uh-huh. But uh, in with like that kind of storyline, where they're kind of like that, but uh -huh. more in line with like, uh, um, like the what's that uh, free to play space uh, ship game right now, um, uh, Evo or something like that. Eva Online? Eva Online? Eva, Eva, remember. yes, Eva Online. Is so kind of like yeah. that where you have the ship mm -hmm. and you're controlling it. It's, so it's just like ship-based stuff because like you, you go around, you visit planets and whatnot, you're picking up, you know, supplies, you're taking them around, you upgrade your ship, you get into like ship combat with like using your grappling arms to like pull out guns and swords and sh chop up other ships and stuff like that and like sending bounties after people and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, mm -hmm. That'd be kind yep. of an interesting game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you play as the crew itself, or would you like to play as like your own made-up sort of member, but in the same universe? Oh, I mean, you would play as a character within the universe. You wouldn't actually play as like Gene Starwin or anything like that. Oh, okay, okay. And I, and you take it you'd want some sort of studio like I don't know Bethesda to handle it or something or what? I'd actually like to see uh, Bioware. Bioware, uh, kind of like even as they're currently owned by EA. Well, no, like Bioware on their own again, but just okay, do right. like well, Bioware if they were gonna do like stuff that also included like leaving the ship and you're gonna be third person, but Bioware is doomed as Valrith points out. So I'd actually like maybe to see um, or let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. I forget. There was another game that came out that uh -huh. was kind of like was it Rebel Galaxy? Uh huh. Uh, don't know. I'm not sure. I never heard of Rebel Galaxy either. I think it might be Rebel Galaxy. Um, mm. no, it's not Rebel Galaxy. That's a. Uh... No, yes, yes, Rebel Galaxy. Uh, Rebel Galaxy, because that is a Western-styled space trading and combat simulation game where, like, the music in it's kind of like a, like Western kind of themes to it, very much like Western frontier, you know, out on the range kind of thing, lone cowboys. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that. 
Right. Mm -hmm. So I believe that studio is, uh, let's see here, Double Damage Games is what they're called. Ah, okay, cool. Not not a, you know, well-known studio by... Yeah, it doesn't need to be anything like, anything cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just someone you know can, can handle it. Um, by the way, I I just figured out that F five refreshes the page. Yeah, so we got two new posts on the um on the same topic actually. So just gonna read out the last two as well. What just came in? This hot off the presses. Uh, first ones by um rampant AI who says, "How about an action RPG in the world of Nosca? You get to fly a steampunkish flying machines and fight giant bugs in the poison forest. Perhaps the apocalyptic giants would be too OP." Similar to this, be a flight combat sim and RPG based off the world of Last Exile, flying machines, dreadnoughts, and battleships, and uh, guild enemies. So, I've neither seen Nosca or actually uh, Last Exile, but those do sound like interesting ideas. I I do know what they look like visually, so I can see these. I can definitely picture these as either an RPG of some sort. So I guess RPGs all the way when it comes to rampant AI's uh, preferences here. Um. And then the last comment comes in from Blackmagic, 44444. I probably put an extra four in there back soon. Uh, Psycho Pass would make a good game, and I think that one actually does have a game. Could be wrong, but I think it does. And no, not that visual... Oh, they, <laughs> they immediately correct me anyway. Not the one that they made already. They could make a real game in the L.A. Noir style where you investigate evidence and interview witnesses. You could use the Sibyl? Sibyl? Sibyl system as an indicator... As a lie detector. Oh yeah. Okay. So that would be. I would. I do like the kind of detective sort of games. So that would. That would definitely appeal to me. Might be a good way of getting into the franchise as well. So, good suggestion. Uh, just the only thing I I would add in is what I would like to make a good game or what I'd like to have a game made of of would be, I want a good Soul Eater game. I know that um you know, the franchise is pretty much dead at this point and um, what's his name. It already did have a crappy like PS2 fighter, but I like it enough where I'd want them to actually make like a proper anime style fighter in the same sort of vein as they did for Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, or failing that, I'd like them to make some sort of third person adventure game as well, where you make your own Meister and you make your own weapon and you try to gain a hundred souls and you know defeat a witch and you know do soul resonance and all that sort of stuff. Because you know not many people talk about that franchise anymore, which I can see why, but. I, I still miss it, and I think it would have made a great game. I would definitely buy that if they made a Soul Eater game, so that's my answer to that question. And we have an email as well, Joseph. Uh, just Indeed. Ending this all off. Oh, so you got it sent to you as well by Yotaru? Yes. Um, yeah, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, the, question, the question is mostly at you. <laughs> yeah, which was directed to me was from Yotaru Vegeta. Um, says, so I need your help on this. Since Joey is something of an expert on Shokugeki no Soma, is Hayama the Vegeta of the series? Or at least so far. It's not a direct comparison, but he seems to be the rival to Soma. And I think they've faced off many times. Or is Arina a more appropriate choice? Because she was such a jerk to start, but softened and became an ally. Honestly, I don't see any character is really being a Vegeta type character to Soma. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Just because none of the characters who show up have tried to try to fight, like try to go to Shokugeki with Soma because they were opposed to him 
and yeah. like it was mm-hmm. an intense battle and then they lost mm-hmm. but then they ended up joining his crew um yeah i mean okay aldini for one thing really yeah, that, wants to be the vegeta you know he yes, wants but to but it's we not. can all yeah. see he's not he's more no. um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh i don't know maybe he's more like the No, I got I got no comparison. No, 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 but he no. wants to be. He yeah. wants to be like the rival. Like, yeah. you're, you're, I'm I'm your rival, and and Soma's just like, ha, 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 that's funny. Okay, sure, yeah. whatever. That's like one of my favorite gags. I think from the first season as well, is because they they just playing that thing where he's like, next time I see you, we're gonna be enemies. You'll you'll regret this, and then they get put next to each other on the school bus. You know, so then just yep. someone's just laughing and taking the and piss out of him while he's like, just so embarrassed. Away. <laughs> 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 so I like that trope where it's like, ah, next time we battle. And then they're right next to each other the next day. It's like, ah, that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It depends on what you define Vegeta as. Because like, yeah, Hayama's the current rival. But I don't know if like the long term he'd be the Vegeta. And in Arena, like, it depends. It's true that Vegeta starts off bad and then comes around. To, to, you know, like, being a good guy eventually. But, but I think it's also, a very different arc to Verena. Yeah, and he also, like, kind of, like, every now and then he'll do something kind of dickish. Yeah. That, you know, like, like the Majin Buu thing, where, like, he became Majin Vegeta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. So. Whilst Irina's sort of, like, it's misplaced from other things. Like, her backstory, like, I guess in a similar way, she was, like, abused by her dad the way Vegeta was abused by Frieza. But their response to it is a bit different in that, you know, she's not directly, at least so far in this series, not trying to get revenge on him the same way that like Vegeta tried to on Frieza and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's a completely different dynamic, I think. It's just individually, Vegeta is defined by things like his pride. And I suppose yes. at least Irina has that. Um, I don't know, but there's just too many things that are just very broadly similar, but not direct details that are similar between Hayama Vegeta, Irina Vegeta... Even I'll do I, I, I also think like Edina's main shtick against um, Soma was that she was caught off guard by his dish where, yeah, you know, the first dish she ever fed her kind of like basically tickled her silly. Um, and she yeah. didn't know how to respond to that in like a mature way. She was like yeah. all cocksure, you know, like, oh, it's going to be terrible. And then she ate it. And then it's like, this is like delicious. And it's actually like making my heart go doki doki and and doing all sorts of other things in my body and and someone's just like hey hey how you like it huh huh and she's just like yeah you know she's like disgusting because she's being a little sundere at that point right there exactly she's being more sundere towards him whilst you can't really describe like vegeta as being sundere towards goku could you <laughs> not at I all mean, no so yeah that's about as far as i'd say the comparisons go yeah uh, they, they've yet to have like a direct vegeta in that series nor do they really need to, I guess, to be fair. And speaking of Shokin Soma, holy shit, man. The fucking latest what? chapter. Oh? Like, man, things just, like, progressed in one chapter. It was just like, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And it's like, well, that's three check marks on the fucking series. Where are they going from here? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So something really big has happened, I take it? Right? Oh, yeah. Super, super big. Something that I was like, is this is this over? Is, mm. is the manga over? Like, it feels like it's over now. They, everything's done. 
So yeah, it. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for the anime watchers out there who eventually this may become an anime. Um, this yep. you know that season. But let me tell you that the chapter was definitely like it felt like. All right, Shokugeki no Soma. This is uh this is the second to last chapter. Whoa, it's getting close to the end now. Okay, go, go, it just go. feels like that right. just because of everything that's tied up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like nice. like uh. Get Office says, it, it feels like there's going to be a time jump. Like, the next chapter will be, like, 20 years later or something like that. Or, like, you know, five Whoa. years later or something. And and Soma That's is, nice. like, you know, he's graduating from the school or something. and Or, like, maybe he's his father in his father's shoes now where, like, he's running a restaurant and, you know, Edina comes in or something like that. And she eats the food and he finally makes her say delicious, which is great. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shokugeki no Shuma Shippuden coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't see, like, a big, a bigger conflict than this one. Like, I was thinking, like, all right, well, maybe, like, there's another school that shows up, and it's like, school versus school battle, go! And it's like, all right. I just don't, it, it doesn't feel like that would be good enough, because they defeated, I, I don't want to say anymore. I won't say anymore. Okay. 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 Right. Because I am excited now. So, thank you. Oh, uh, I have something to look forward to. It probably won't get. They probably won't get to it. So. Oh yeah, I, I definitely think this is an anime um, that is going to have a full animated series made of the entire thing. Mm. Okay. Cool. Is that um, it? I think that does it. Yeah, I think that does this for community stuff. Then, in that case, if you got the email, that's about it. Okay. All then, let's uh, mosey on into our news. And I got uh, a couple things here. My first one is the female responses to that uh, question I covered before about is love really difficult for otakus? which uh, mm-hmm. the website Anime Anime published the one half of the responses about the men. This is the other half. Um, and, of course, the majority of the women do say that love is difficult. The majority mm-hmm. were actually women who felt that love is more difficult than men, um, who huh. said that about... There were still a majority of women more so than men who felt that love was more difficult for otakus. Uh, we have some quotes here, like, I know it only comes up in love si- uh, simulations, but there were times when I'm interacting with men, and I really want different text options. In the end, we broke up after a half day together. <laughs> uh, first of all, it's almost impossible to have romantic emotions between the same type of otaku. When you confess that you're an otaku and a fujoshi, men say things like, are you going to have those delusions about me? That's gross. They wouldn't understand me even when I explained many times that it wasn't like that. Hmm. But they should just, like, the, the male otaku in that case should understand more than anybody that those are exaggerations a lot of the time as well. Yeah, so it seems like women in Japan, otaku females in Japan at least, have more anxiety, I'm guessing, when it comes to... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the romance part of life. Um, mm. However, not, of course, all women felt that way. No. 
Uh, other women mentioned that dating was difficult uh, because they needed their calendar open for release dates and whatnot. So basically the same kind of reasons that a lot of men said. But the a part of the respondents that said it was not difficult was mm-hmm. like a high school student who said that most of her classes are otaku these days. And half of them seem satisfied with their real online and offline lives. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a office female or office worker... Uh, by the age of 24, mentioned she makes accommodations when she's out with her partner and discusses normal things instead of centering the conversations around her hobbies. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that's healthy, I think. Where it's like, you know, it's good to have the hobbies, but it's good to be flexible too, where she's able to, you know, script in both. So, yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, even like a 30-year-old woman, or a married woman, who said that uh, she thinks there's someone out there for everyone. So she's like the, you know, they're a soulmate out there for everyone kind of person. She says she likes everything from boys love to girls love and voice actors and games too. Like some Mm. of the other participants, initially she began dating and didn't want to give up the time she spent on her hobbies. But she, quote, got used to it. She admitted she might just be lucky, but she thinks there are understanding, there are a way to understand people out there that we don't just need to, you know, hide who we are. No, no. Mm-hmm. But we'll still have to make compromises. That's yeah, the whole I, thing, is mm-hmm. that when it comes to yeah. quote-unquote love, you have to make compromises, which... Yeah, that's the effort part of the relationship. That's the part that a lot of people can be put off by, is that, you know, you, you got to make effort. Both both sides need to make effort for it to, to really work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably so, why it's also a turn-off for a lot of people, too, is the amount of effort and work it takes. Yeah, and I mean, the amount of effort that we put into our hobbies is more like, oh, that's more important to me. Like, I'm completely happy being in no kind of a relationship romantically with anyone because I have everything else going on, like fiction. I read fiction and watch fiction all the time, and that makes me happy enough. Mm, yeah. I mean, again, that's that's fine, you know, you do you sort of thing, but, you know, just, you know, be sure... Be, just be sure that it's uh, in the long term that that's something you want to do for the foreseeable future, especially when, uh, you know, you uh, if you see yourself eventually reaching like the ages of 50 and being like, you know, I really wish I took a swing at that girl that, you know, I met back then, then, you know, you're just wondering about what was, what, what could have been, I mean. So. Yeah, you think about that, but then you look over at your body pillow and you're like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> nah, she didn't age, she didn't age a day, unlike me. Exactly. It's like, yeah. you know, I've gotten old and my face starts sagging, but 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 Kimichi-chan here, she'll never age ever. <laughs> I just oh, have to boy. put stuffing in her every now and then. <laughs> and fit her in the wash, I guess. Yep, put oh. her through the wash every now and then. Just gotta clean that stain off there. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I was going to imply it, but I wasn't going to actually say it. <laughs> I am know what you're talking no. about. I'm talking oh, okay. about drooling when you're sleeping. Oh, right. Okay. Of course. <laughs> yes. And nothing else. Just drool. And nothing else. Uh, I don't have a dirty mind at all. Okay. <laughs> okay. I guess I'm... Is, is that all the article? Or is there anything else? Yeah, that's that's about it. So basically, it's um the women who did say that... Relationships are hard. We're basically in agreement with the male otakus. All their answers yep. are basically the same. It's that they like their hobbies better than they want to dig into a romantic relationship. And the people who said the opposite, of course, were also in agreement with the 
male otakus who said that there is love out there and you can find it and it you know just takes finding the right person mm. yeah okay so fairly balanced answers again that's good to hear good yep. both sides feel the same way that's nice uh okay so my article's pretty quick it's uh, about this promotional uh, anime that's going to be coming out for the dragon ball heroes uh, it's called Super Dragon Ball Heroes Universe Mission 1. It's going to be getting an anime. If you didn't know, Dragon Ball Heroes has been this kind of long-running game that only exists in Japan, doesn't exist state-wise or west at all, uh, where you get these cards and you put them into a machine. I don't really understand how it works. I'm guessing it's some sort of strategy thing. But it goes along its own sort of unique story in the Dragon Ball universe. It has this, this female character and this male character. Um, that are both Saiyans, I think, that are actually like original characters just for that story in general, and it has its own little thing. In fact, I think the Dragon Ball Heroes was the first instance before Super did it, um, where you could actually get a female Super Saiyan character in canon, you know, well, in the Dragon Ball universe at all. So there was that, and um, it's going to be released on apparently July the 1st this year, so, you know, something to look forward to, I suppose, if, if that's your thing. Um... Let's see. It's going to be getting other games and releases for like the 3DS and other such platforms. Um, but I d- again, I don't think they're probably going to leave states-wise at all anyway. And I think that's pretty much it. There's no trailer or anything or screenshots. Um, just that it's going to be taking place on a story on a present planet arc, whatever that means. So I don't really know what the whole thing will entail. But there you go. New anime for Dragon Ball coming out. So it's not... Well, it was never going to be the end. It's never going to end, is it? I think. Non-stop animes for Dragon Balls till the cows come home. Even long after Akira Toriyama probably bites the dust. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, though. Alright. Well, I got, uh, I got some video game kind of news, too. Oh, yeah? I think you, uh, might, be, has... I think you might be interested in this I think, one. Uh... Uh, I, I don't, I'm not entirely convinced. But okay. I think I think this is a this is a VR game right up your alley. Just gonna finally get me to shell out money for my own Oculus Rift. Exactly. Gonna, yep. This is yeah. a tipping point. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Aeromanga Sensei. It's yeah. uh, it's got a virtual reality game out there, and uh, in January it expanded, adding Sagiri uh, in a swimsuit to its wake up call functions, and this mm-hmm. next expansion. They're adding another character. This time, the mm-hmm. light novel author Elf Yamada. Starting on uh, May yeah. the 24th, there'll be uh, an a elf out there for you. She'll be donning her own swimsuit. And she's actually yeah. having her voice actress, Minami Takahashi, reprising her role. So, uh, ah. yeah. The, the best moment in her illustrious voice acting career, no doubt, was playing Elf Yamada. In Aeromanga Sensei, I'm sure. Of course. She wasn't walked you know. into this by her agent in any such way who's now been fired, you know. Um, <laughs> great. So, yeah. Um, you can play Twister with her, it seems. Yeah, you can um, play Twister. Apparently, the uh, game story, <laughs> the plot. Is that the game part of this? Is that actually the game part of this game? Is there is a part Twister? of the game where uh, you're mm. kind of doing a... Uh, you're kind of playing Twister with her. Um but uh, the story starts up with you waking up uh, by or waking up and by being awoken by Elf after falling asleep on the beach. Mm. And uh, like if you visit a virtual gay internet cafe, you can actually uh, 
can actually do some uh, beach game twister with her. You know, just uh, like uh, red foot or, or uh, right foot red. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to touch there. And of course, in reality, that's just kind of looks like you're playing twister alone. Oh, yeah. That's just actually what is happening. It's wow. Well, I guess if you've bought the game already and it's an expansion, there's no going back at this point. You might as well go all the way. However, yeah, the... this has not been the tipping point, surprisingly enough, that's gotten me to go buy my, my Sony, whatever it's called. I can't what? remember what it's called. Really? Anymore. Well, let me no. tell you, the trial version of this VR game, which is titled uh, Mezimashi VR, Riding Camp with My Next Door Neighbor, Elf Swimsuit Edition, will be going on sale May the 24th, so grab your wallets, people. Oh, 40 is time. Don't know if I can if I can make that much in time. Oh dear. Well, international. It probably is just a, a local release, luckily. So, not international, is it? Uh, let's see. Let's see here. Oh, it looks like there is a. Uh, there's going to be a release on mobile devices this summer. Oh. So uh, if you if you don't want to shell out the big bucks for VR, Andrew, well you're in luck, because you can just. Uh, Throw some money at your phone. <laughs> Great, and then and then the Google Play Store will now be avail- will now be made aware. Yeah, anyone who uh, wants to go to the uh, the good old website and is interested in it, there you go. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Great. <laughs> I think they're the same people who did that VR REM thing I talked about a while back, with like the REM. They can take with you in the park. I don't uh, know. I yeah, do see I, that I they think, did do a virtual reality game just featuring uh, Aeromanga Sensei herself. Yeah, there's one that apparently you could lie next to her or something. See, who needs romance when you have VR? Yeah, it's very topical. It actually matches your first article. Is that on purpose? <laughs> Not at all. Mm-hmm. I, I just saw this article. I was like, oh boy, Andrew's going to love this one. Yeah, that wasn't clicking. That was me banging my head off the table. But yeah, <laughs> close enough. All right. Well, I think uh, we've tortured Andrew long enough. Now, uh, let's uh, turn over to our hybrid show here, as I will be doing a review and you'll be doing some previews. So why don't you get us started here? Okay, uh, okay. The f- I guess the theme for today will be shows that I was anticipating, and I suppose they're both seen in ish. So that's two links to the show today. And starting off today, we're going to be looking at uh, Megalo Box, a show set in the future where a new sport called Megalo Boxing is all the craze, which is basically just boxing, but they have these gears that they have the fighters wear uh, to presumably increase the power of the punches mechanically. Now, it starts off with our protagonist driving. Recklessly for a rocky and lifeless mountain setting while he monologues to the point of the episode about how he's never been in a position to either back down or fight. And we see clips of him lying down on the ring unconscious or like about to be knocked out anyway. Um, his reckless driving is, is often taken 
has him seeing trips to a repair shop where he sees a broadcast from a woman who's talking about a poten- the potential of gear technology and that megaloboxing is a demonstration of that, announcing the biggest tournament of the sport called Megalonia, where any citizen is free to enter. After our main guy is asked about if he's interested, he reiterates that the broadcast only said any citizen, giving us a good picture of the kind of lives the people out here live. Still, he seems optimistic and tells the repair clerk to bet on him this evening before we're introduced to his manager, who is also down on his luck, reinforced by how he's first seen leaving angrily from a dog race. We find out that our main character is known as Junk Dog in the ring, and that he is in the business with the manager on throwing underground fights in order to make money. Despite the situation, Junk Dog clearly aspires for more, as seen by his frustration with his manager, and they have been paid to throw the next fight as well, despite the constant promises that he'll be allowed to fight seriously in the next match he is held back by his position in society and the debt his manager is in. So we get kind of a a good picture of how things are for Junk Dog. He throws matches, he could clearly win, and then drives off on his bike in a daze of dissatisfaction before the cycle repeats itself anew. Two things to finally push Junk past the tipping point, however. First, he has a chance to run in with the woman from earlier on the TV, uh, as well as the current Megalo boxing champion Yuri while on his uh, one of his drives. He slags off the whole idea of Megalonia and almost gets into a confrontation with Yuri, but he does leave, the f- leave without a fight, and the second thing that pushes Junk Dog further is another conversation with the bike repair guy about trusting the part of yourself that had faith. Now... Back at the ring, things pick up even more now as Yuri the champion has now come to this underground ring specifically to settle things with Junk Dog. Despite the objections from his manager in going through with this fight, this is the pivotal moment where Junk Dog steps forward in order to try and win for himself for a change. Uh, Yuri asks him what his name is and as, as he surely doesn't want his ring name on his tombstone, to the, to the protagonist. Uh, then he replies to which uh, that they don't make tombstones for stray dogs ending the episode. Overall, I really like this anime so far and I'm counting you know, up to this point because I've been keeping up with it. Uh, for one thing, it's one of the best looking shows to come out this season period and I think it was necessary to get them firing on all cylinders when stories like these have been told many times before. Uh, Not only does the show look quite good frame by frame, but the aesthetic overall has a sort of timeless anime feel to it that's very reminiscent of of shows like uh, like your Triguns or your Samurai Shampoos. Maybe a little bit of bebop in there, don't know. Uh, He's got the afro anyway. The music as well is also pretty hype. I look forward to when the soundtrack will be put to use on the more epic fights that are certain to come our way. And as mentioned, this is a pretty classic tale that seems to pervade many sports stories, but most of all boxing in particular, I'd say. The story of a nobody, which in this case is more literal than normal, seeing as he's not a citizen, uh, rising up to the very top through his grit and determination, uh, an underdog story at its most romanticised, and I'm all for that when it's done right. The directing is more cinematic than your standard fare, communicating a great deal of Junk Dog's life, but more importantly, how it feels to him, and that's not even mentioning the script that is also tight with techniques like reincorporated lines that not only move the story along, but also tell us more about the person saying them. I'm glad that while I'm not 100% sold on the whole gear concept thing, that it's not the focus which remains solely on the characters. Otherwise, it did run the risk on being a bit gimmicky. Because, I mean, 
one of the reasons we wear boxing gloves to, um, you know, a boxing match is because if you use your real fist, it's actually more damaging and the fight ends too quickly. It's a bit too messy. You know, it's for the spectacle of the sport overall when you have like things like the gloves and stuff, right? So if you have these mechanical fists, like, you know, these mechanical attachments that make your punches stronger, you know, if you think about it practically without the, you know, without the romanticizing of it all, um, it would just make the fights end quicker. I mean, they're not wearing it on their legs. They're not moving faster. So it's just the punches are more critical. And if you think about it, that's probably not going to be as entertaining to watch it, you know, overall. But I can look past that because it's not the focus anyway. And it's also part of the point that comes in later on. Um, but I don't want to say any more on that because that's kind of going past where our preview should go. Uh, so yeah, if you're in the neighborhood, this could be a good show to check out. Uh, maybe as a first sports anime if you're not familiar with the genre in general. But yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about this one. Just a pretty solid show. Pretty solid, classical, boxing, underdog story. Maybe it's, uh, maybe they're super soft gloves in the future. Maybe, maybe. But, you know, they have those instances in this. I I think it's past episode one, though, where, um... Like, one punch is, like, shown, like, once it hits, it can, like, knock you down for the whole 10 seconds immediately if you get hit by one solid punch to the face from these. When it's, like, you know... If you didn't have that, it's less likely to happen and it would drag the fight out longer, which is what people are paying money to see, you know? Okay. Yeah. And this but. is actually the uh, anime that uh, the majority of America is currently simulcasting when it for, when a new episode comes out, at least according to Crunchyroll. Uh, 22 so out really, of the uh, out of all the states in America are currently uh, the majority of them is currently watching uh, mm. watching that anime Megalobox yeah I'm happy I'm really happy to hear that actually because I think it is I think it's worth it so mm-hmm. pretty optimistic about it hope it concludes well cool cool well I uh as this is a hybrid show, I actually have a review here, which I entitled, Is It Wrong to Pick Up Slave Girls in a Dungeon? <laughs> Once again, we return to the transported to another world genre of anime, with the familiar setting of a video game leading the charge. Lately, this category has been saturated, but not to a tipping point. Sword Art Online, Overlord, and Log Horizon all had their time in the pool, but that doesn't mean we can't still have good content spawned from a protagonist being sent inside a video game. It's a fascinating concept after all, as it inspires us to imagine ourselves being pulled into a world away from our own, which for many is just the escape from reality we need, even if the escape only lasts 30 minutes a week. This is actually an anime I had been reading the manga for far ahead of time, so my excitement was only tempered by the fact I know anime can often ruin a good manga series with filler content and a reduction of the finer details. For instance, the very beginning of the anime differed greatly from the manga as we learn more about the man outside the game a whole lot more in the anime than we do in the manga. Speaking of... Our main protagonist this time around is a video game programmer by the name of Ichiro Suzuki. He's an overall nice guy who works hard and has a thing for older women. He's good at his job, but the anime instills just the slightest notion that his job doesn't lack conflict. 
After a long night's working to wrap up the major content of a new video game the company is launching, Ichiro decides to take a nap at his desk, and he awakens in the world of another video game that his company had already released. At first, he mm. thinks this is nothing more than a dream, but after feeling pain from an arrow shot at him from an approaching lizard army, he begins to have some doubts. So far, everything sounds pretty much like your standard run-of-the-mill. But that's when Ichiro, in a panic, uses an extremely overpowered spell he has been asked to add into the game to make it easier for starting players. Meteor Storm. The spell obliterates the army and the surrounding landscape, and that's when everything changes. The experience from the destruction levels Ichiro, now named Sato, to level 310, and maxed out stats and more skill points than he knows what to do with. On top of that, his inventory was also filled with weapons, armor, and money from the defeated army. There's even some hinting that his meteor storm may have killed a god, as he also earns a slew of titles, which included God Killer. So yes, in a way, this instantly turns our protagonist into an overpowered character. So what's the point? He's going to be good at anything he does now. And that's where you'd be mistaken. He has the skill points, yes, but the thing is, he only has three skills to start with. He needs to do something once to earn the skill before he can level it up to the max. On top of this, Sato isn't interested in playing the hero, as he takes up the job of a merchant with the goal of exploring this new land he finds himself in. Like any good JRPG, there is a starting city where Sato enters after saving a beautiful mage knight by the name of Zena from a wyvern that he accidentally scared off into a company of soldiers that she had with her. He immediately starts earning new skills and maxing them out as soon as he earns them. But it's not long until we uh, have reached another major point for Sato. After listening to some exposition about the world he finds himself in, he decides it's time to stop the stoning of a very adorable trio of slave girls by religious fanatics. It's right around this time a demon shows up and teleports everyone into the vicinity into a vast dungeon that it has created. Sato finds himself with the slave girls he protected earlier. He befriends them, gives them groan-worthy names, and sets off to find the other humans and escape this dangerous place. The nice thing here is that he actually takes a backseat to the combat, instead of fo instead focusing on training his newly added companions into monster-killing machines. This leads to one of my favorite scenes where the group takes a rest, and Sato gets to have a cat girl, who he named Tama, a dog girl, who he named Pochi, cuddle up with him as a little girl he named Lisa sleep at his feet. It was a fantastic scene. All of my want right there. When the group does eventually meet up with the remainder of the humans, Sato keeps his plan to not fall or be forced into the role of hero. He dons a disguise and takes out a major demon that shows up using the god-slaying blade he got from his meteor storm exploits. 
You see, he actually does have a sword titled the Hero's Sword, but anytime he attempts to equip it, he actually receives damage and is unable to wield it. So not only does he not wish to be the hero, but he can't actually be the hero until the sword accepts him. Oh. You know, okay. so m maybe that will happen down the line. Yeah, probably. After this, Sato ends up buying uh, the slave girls legitimately from a slave merchant he befriended, as well as two additional slaves that the merchant hawks off on him. Of course, they're all cute girls. The two new ones named Lulu and Arisa, one of whom he confirms is actually like him in that she's from another world, Japan specifically. Some more exposition oh. as well as some hanky-panky. That's right, Sato fucks. Not that he does it with any of the slaves he owns, but we do see him at least twice get his freak on with comfort girls. He actually states he doesn't want to touch his companions, as that would make him a bad leader. Of course, he still ends up in some etchy situations with the group. They are all girls, after all. The next part introduces an adorable elf named Misa that uh, will eventually join Sato's group, but not until he rescues her from being kidnapped by an undead king. He actually picks up two new companions while performing this rescue. The lolly elf and a busty homunculus named Nana that has several identical sisters all of whom want to go with him. Sadly, they relent and fight for the right to go with Sato, and with the winning sister being the one he defeated in his efforts to reach the kidnapped elf girl. Yeah, this guy is fucking set for life at this point. He's rich, he's got a good personality, he's intelligent and tactful, he's powerful, and is more or less forming a harem at this point. Yeah, sounds like it. Makes you wonder why he'd ever want to leave. Ever. But his quest to learn more about how he came to be in the video game has not ended. We get some hints that this new world may somehow be related to a shrine priestess he once knew, but aside from that, we don't really get much. The anime wraps up feeling like a side quest to deal with, or wraps up on a side quest dealing with an asshole politician. Though Sato does end up learning more about alchemy and how to produce and craft potions and the like. Sato even points out that the world's magic is very much like the computer language he used to use, and that this allows him to mess with the magic to suit his everyday needs, with some assistance from the lolly elf as he can't actually cast any magical spells yet. He can make them up, but he uses a lolly elf to go and actually cast them. Like uh -huh. being able to read and write a language, but not speak it. This is actually just a step or two away from where the manga is at this point, so it was actually a good stopping point for anyone who wants to have the manga stay fresh for them. Overall, mm -hmm. I was satisfied with how closely they stuck to the manga's version, even with the addition of some of the backstory at the beginning that didn't really do much for me. Yeah, this was a pretty good series, and I look forward to more, even if it only comes from the manga. Now, uh, for the animation, this was done by Silver Link, uh, who have also done things like Masamune Kun's Revenge, uh, Rokudai Kishi no Eyutan, and uh, No Rin. 
Sadly, some of the battles did rely heavily upon CG to get through, of which was handled by another studio by the name of Connect. So I can't ah. say I was really thrilled about that. I will yeah. say, however, that the eyes on the characters, the fucking eyes, man, god damn did they do it for me. Just, there's something about doe-eyed women that really works for me. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, uh, voice acting, also good choices all around. Everyone fit their roles, respectively. Uh, the one of the best choices being uh, Minami Suda for Lisa. A sort of military-esque tone with an underlayer of adorable. She did Lisa right. And my favorite character. Now, there's a lot of girls to pick from. But I'm not going to give... But I'm going to give this one to Lisa. Not that she's... You know, she's not Yandere. No, she's not a MILF, and no, she's not perverted. Lisa is a human-lizard hybrid slave girl that Sato befriends in the demon's dungeon. She quickly warms up to him as her new master as he treats her with respect, feeds her delicious meat, and makes her happy enough that it shows in her tail. You know, she's very kind of, uh, kind of deadpan as a character, but her tail is like giving away any of her emotions. Ah, right, right. Outside of her spurts of happiness, she is mostly a yes-sir-no-sir kind of follower. Not to say she's completely deadpan, but she does show... She doesn't show much emotion in the face. No, what I really got her to win as a character for me was the potential. I had thought at first that this was just me. But the anime confirms that Lisa sees Sato as more than just her master. I'm pretty sure she's in love with him. And if she were to ask, I can actually see Sato agreeing to sleep with her. In fact, I'm actually hoping she goes into heat and Sato has to help her. Because uh, that is a trope that happens with uh, animal uh, hybrid characters that show up in uh, anime sometimes where it's like oh no the cat girl enters heat wink 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 <laughs> are you gonna help her main male protagonist it's like see you see you're doing her a favor really it's, it's not yeah it's like, like yeah you're, you're really helping her out here you know yeah it's, really yeah it's, you're not what, taking advantage of it yeah no exactly but, well, no 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 yeah. what what does it matter that she you know totally wants it to totally wants it now, as Queen points out, he is interested in older women. Lisa <laughs> is, I believe, I'm not com completely sure because, you know, she's a hybrid. I think she's older than Sato's in-game character. His actual hmm. personality, he's a lot older. I think he's something like 30 or something in the non-anime or the non-video right. game. Yeah, but, but when he goes in, in he looks video, younger. In the video game, he looks younger, and he's actually, he when he first sees himself, he's like, ugh, that's like my 14-year-old self, gross. <laughs> Which, you know, yeah. he just, he just kind of looks like a late middle school, early high school student. So, uh, yeah, yeah Queen Inoue, you know, he, he liked the older innkeeper, um, only if she was more slender. However, Queen... I will say that for Lisa's part, she does like Sato, and it's confirmed it more so in the manga now that she does have feelings for him. So, 
maybe he may reciprocate those. You know, we we don't know. Like, of the girls he has in his quote-unquote harem right now, apparently there's another one that gets added in later that I've seen light novel stuff of. Lisa uh-huh. and uh, Nana probably have the most chance with Sato. Just because Nana is kind of like an older female character with a pretty good bust on her, and Sato's totally into that. And Lisa, just because it's like... You don't normally see her acting at all, like, perverse or anything like that. She's very respectful of Sato. He, she does, like, everything he ever asked for. But I just feel like, ah, in it, like, the anime, ah. And you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got it you. could just got be you. my headcanon, but goddamn, mm-hmm. she is fucking adorable. Lisa is so fucking adorable. <laughs> OTP. Right. See what happens. So yes. you got you got two ones out there in the works. You got the Shokugeki one, and now you have the uh, Lisa from uh, this show. So let's see if any of your any of your two OTPs from these shows uh, will actually come true. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And as Rampant uh, yeah. points out, you know, in all fairness, all the females are in love with Sato. That is true. However, of the females, only one of them doesn't really show it, which of course is Lisa. Mm. You know, you got the you got the cat girl and the dog girl. They're very childish and they're very, you know, open with their feelings. You got the Arisa, the the chick. She makes some moves on him a few times. Um, and she's very prominent pointing out that she, you know, has feelings for him. Uh, the uh, Lulu, I, th- you know, she it feels like she might have a romantic interest in him. But at the same time, she's very much like quiet. So she doesn't talk a lot. And so we never really kind of know what she's thinking. Um, and Nana, I mean, she's she got defeated by him. And so I think for some reason now she's like, like, oh, well, he was able to beat me. Time to have his babies. Like, that's what it feels like for me with her. And, of course, then we have the lolly elf, which I just think that she has no chance at all. Like, I know she probably has feelings for him, but she's a lolly elf. And as we've all pointed out, he's into older women. So, you know, the elf might be like, oh, she's 300 years old, but she looks like a girl, little girl. That's not going to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bit of a taste difference there. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't a gate where the elf girl's Ah. like, all right, how old are you? A hundred and something, huh? Okay. That's legal, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It makes her the pedophile, really. Yeah, it's like, oh, cradle robber. The difference between us is about 50 years. <laughs> yeah, on paper, that never sounds good. Gotta say. Yeah, yeah. Japan will find a way someday. It will. It'll, it will find a way someday. It'll be like, oh, yeah, that uh, that's a cat-girl hybrid we invented. The first one. She's 500 years old. But she looks like mm. she's like she's 20. Yeah, we designed her that way. <laughs> like, good on you, Japan. Yep, follow your dreams. Yep. You gotta, you <laughs> hey, gotta you make. Rating? If you can't find love, oh. you make love. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, you just you go into the lab and you make love. <laughs> Creates it yourself. You create yourself exactly. You you make the person. You make your perfect someone just in the lab. Just like a little dash of cat, a little dash of dog, a little dash of human. Mix it all together. What do you get? A furry. 
Oh no! Oh god! Abort! <laughs> abort! Oh great! Yeah. So uh, my uh, my rev- my score for this one is definitely a download now. Download now. Nice, yeah. nice. That's good to hear. Uh, got the coveted award. All right. Well, I might check that out if it's uh if it's that highly rated. Then sounds good. Yeah. Um. So I guess it's time to move on to our closing closing preview of the day. Indeed. Um, Tell us about your final preview. So yeah, it was, um, that's another one I was anticipating because a friend had been reading the manga. So you know, he said it was pretty good. So the other show is uh, called Golden Kamui. Uh, so what is that exactly? It's a story about a veteran soldier known as the immortal Sugimoto teaming up with a young Ainu tribe girl called Asirpa in order to find a large stash of hidden gold. Of course they don't they don't uh, of course they're going to butt into uh, large amounts of opposition when such treasures are at stake and that's it coupled with um, a lot of uh, insight on how to like survive out in the wilderness of Hokkaido uh, by Asirpa and later some Focus on cuisine as well as, but you know, previews are about the start, so let's move on to the what actually happens in episode one. It's pretty much setting up everything that I was just talking about there. Uh, we start off with a scene from Sugimoto's war days fighting those Russians in the frozen tundra, when he demonstrates his indomitable spirit by refusing to fall over even after being caught by Gatling gunfire. The action in general is not the flashy kind that anime tends to offer, the sort that makes you go, oh, but instead is going for something that feels a bit more grounded and realistic, right down to how brutal the kills can be. And this is consistent with the realistic survival elements that will come into play later. Moving on, we progress to some time post-war in Hokkaido, and Sugimoto is panning for gold in the river, as he needs a lot of money to pay for Joey's sister's eye operation. He's talking to this older-looking gentleman. I'm glad you got the reference. Um, he's talking to this older-looking gentleman who's just drinking by this horror, by this horribly jarring CG fire about the treasure I what I mentioned earlier. The short version of the story is that there was a gold rush here. Most of the gold was kept by some members of the Ainu tribe before a man massacred them to claim the gold for himself. He was arrested later, and while in prison, he tattooed the code for the gold's whereabout. Uh, on several of the inmates' bodies before they manage to escape. And while Sugimoto is sceptical of the story at first, it becomes a lot more credible when the man telling him the stories actually tries to kill him in order to keep the information from getting out. After scaring the man away with his badassery, Sugimoto later comes across the body of the same guy who was taken out by a brown bear, and lo and behold, this man actually was one of the prisoners with a large tattoo across his body. Realising that he can no longer leave this body to be eaten before he can decipher the code, Sugimoto is trudging with this body on his back before running into another jarring CG monstrosity. He is saved at this la- by the last minute by Asirpa, and after telling her the story, explaining why he can't let this body be eaten by the bear, yeah, it turns out that there's- they just killed the wrong one, there's actually another bear out there, they agree to join forces after Asirpa believes him rather quick, for the one for one of the Ainu tribe members that was murdered in the gold theft was actually her father. And using Sugimoto's pure tenacity along with Asirpa's lifelong knowledge about survival and hunting in the woods, the two end up fighting the bear in the dead of night. With a little help from the dog from Resident Evil 4, the two triumph and form an alliance. Sugimoto not afraid of getting his hands dirtier and killing the rest of the escaped prisoners, while Asirpa is seeking closure for her father. 
overall, Golden Kamui has a pretty strong start. If it wasn't obvious already, I have continued watching it to this point, and while I do think it gets better, especially more funnier, the core of what makes it interesting can be seen in episode 1. Sugimoto and Asiripa are both engaging, and it's fun watching them work together on tasks that are either urgent or even mundane. It's quite entertaining. Setting also, the setting also plays a pretty strong role, and it's fleshed out by Asiripa's Ainu wisdom about about it all of her superstitions, down to the practical survival advice about living in the woods and you know, especially in the snow. The production values seem also pretty high, pretty strong for the most part. The premise is quite simple to get into whilst being flexible to the point that it can kind of go in multiple different directions. Anything done post-production looks out of place at best and pretty ugly at worst. At time, at any time where there's a campfire, my eyes are drawn just how it looks too realistic. It's just clearly just being like put in there in post. And this effect is best exemplified by the bear footage in which just no. I mean, they can almost pass off the CG on the wolf, but you can't for one second feel like that bear exists in the same plane of reality as the rest of the characters in the anime itself. Uh, the script, like Megalobox, has also pretty good. It's you know, it's not as um, it's not as tightly woven, but they because they have to go for a lot of details that are needed to kind of be exposited to you in terms of story about how the gold works, and about Asirpa's various tidbits about surviving in the wilderness. But they never feel like they're bogged down, and the pacing of the show is actually quite fast. Um, so you can kind of see what's going on a lot of the time. Um, but they also. No, they they go past being feeling like they're just being talked at you, and they feel like they're telling you a little bit more of the world each time when they're talking, and it tells you a bit about the characters. So, I see also the script is written quite well as well, and the soundtrack is kind of hard to remember, but I think that's sort of capturing the vibe of just being out there, you know, in the wilds and foraging for things like woods and stuff, and you know, I think it's part of the immersion that they're going for, more of the realisticness that they're going for. So it, it worked, I think. I think it's fine the way it is. But yeah, it's a good show so far. Uh, I was not disappointed. You know, there were past shows where my friends was like, hey, you know, I've heard of this 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 uh, Osama game show. This this could be really good when it comes out. And then we were both, you know, we were entertained, but not because it was good. You know, but this this one was not a disappointment in any way, shape or shape or form. Um, I don't think I have much more to say for the preview at least, I'm going to keep watching it of course. Uh, give it a shot as well, if anything of what I talked about there sounded remotely good. And that's about it. Okie dokie. Yep. Mining for gold. Mining for gold! Gold as big as your fists. Yes. Alrighty, well I believe that does it for another episode of Anime Pulse. Thank you, everyone, for stopping by, for listening. And as always, until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong.